You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, a place where you can listen, learn, and profit. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Hala Taha, and on Young and Profiting Podcast, we investigate a new topic each week and interview some of the brightest minds in the world. My goal is to turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your everyday life, no matter your age, profession, or industry. There's no fluff on this podcast, and that's on purpose. I'm here to uncover value from my guests by doing the proper research and asking the right questions. If you're new to the show, we've chatted with the likes of ex-FBI agents, real estate moguls, self-made billionaires, CEOs, and best-selling authors. Our subject matter ranges from enhancing productivity, how to gain influence, the art of entrepreneurship, and more. If you're smart and like to continually improve yourself, hit the subscribe button because you'll love it here at Young and Profiting Podcast. This week on Yap, we're chatting with Amberly Lago, a health and wellness coach, best-selling author, podcast host, and TEDx speaker. As a former professional dancer and athlete, Amberly Lago's life was turned upside down at 38 when she was hit by an SUV. The tragic accident left her in a coma and the doctors told her she would never walk again. But Amberly, being Amberly, found the strength and perseverance to walk again. And she did much more than that too. She's now a leading expert in transformation and wellness. And she speaks in stages all over the world to offer hope and solutions for those struggling through life's obstacles or dealing with chronic pain. She's also the best-selling author of True Grit and Grace, Turning Tragedy into Triumph, and the host of True Grit and Grace podcast, which I was lucky enough to be a guest on. In this episode, Amberly and I will discuss her amazing healing journey and how she overcame countless challenges that were thrown her way. She'll share with us her pacer method so we can turn our tragedies into triumph, and we'll also go over her morning routine and understand how she gets the grace to go along with her grit. Hey, Amberly, welcome to Young and Profiting Podcast. I am so excited to be here with you. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a while now. So I'm this best way to start my day. Same here. You know, I came on your podcast. It was such a great episode that I replayed it on mine. You're so talented. Um, Thank you. I saw that. I was like blown away and I shared it too. I know. I saw. Thank you. You know, it's so nice to talk to somebody who like just makes you feel warm every time you speak to them. And that's how I feel with you. You know, we've had multiple interactions, a couple meetings. You were on a clubhouse panel that we also had on the podcast and you're just such an inspiration. So I'm so excited for this conversation and I just can't wait to get started. So let's bring it back to your childhood. From my understanding, you grew up in Greenville, Texas, in a pretty small town, 20,000 people, like 50 miles outside of Dallas. And you were a tomboy, from my understanding. You were a tough cookie growing up. And so I want to understand what your childhood was like and how that tough love really shaped your character, like the tough love that your family gave you and, and how that shaped your character. Oh, you know, thank you. You just took me back, girl. <laughs> It's so funny. Yes, I was a tomboy. I remember when I was about 18, I went on my first dance job. I was booked for a job. I grew up a dancer. And I think my mom put me in dance because it was kind of the girly thing to do. You know, Mm -hmm. Texas was like all about the pageants and being a Southern belle. And Mm -hmm. there I was wearing combat boots and my brother's old jeans and a white t-shirt. And so 
when I went on my first dance job at 18, I remember there was one of the girls that I was working with that she taught me how to wear makeup. And so it was the first time I ever really started wearing makeup or anything like that. And I'm grateful for the struggles that I had as a kid because it really did develop not just the grit that I have today, but it also really taught me about gratitude and and mm. the value of the dollar and how important it is to really work hard for something that you love because you know, there were seven of us kids all together. Well, well, two were my stepbrother and a stepsister. So they lived with us in the summers, but there were seven of us and my, you know, we didn't have much money. So if we wanted something, we had to work for it. You know, I just had a conversation with one of my daughter's friends who's a little bit older and she was upset because her parents wouldn't let her spend the night with her boyfriend. And I'm like, well, you need to get your driver's license. You need to get a job. I said, that's freedom. So for me, I knew like I had big dreams. I knew by the time I was really probably eight years old that I wanted to move to California and be a professional dancer. That's when, you know, an MTV came out and I know, you know, a lot about that. And, mm -hmm. and I saw these music videos and I thought, wow, I could actually get paid to dance and do things that I, that I love. And so I knew the only way I was going to get to do that was if I worked hard, saved up the money. And so I worked four jobs. I mean, I was a lifeguard. I babysat. I taught dance. I worked at this little place called the cookie jar and I was able to save up $1,200 and packed up my little Suzuki Samurai. That was the car that I'd saved up money to buy um, while I was making payments on it. And I think it was not only this deep passion that I had for dance and, and I really wanted to, to go after my dreams, but I also didn't have a safe place growing up. When my mom remarried, I was sexually abused by my stepfather. And so I, I knew I, I had to get out of there. And so I think I was fueled by my passion I learned grit from my brother beating the crap out of me <laughs> growing up. I mean, it, he, bless his heart, we're friends now, but that was, that was tough, but it taught me how to defend myself. And it, it's what one of the things that got me into Krav Maga and boxing and Muay Thai. But I think all those things combined really pushed me to move out here, despite a lot of people saying, you'll never make it. What are you doing? You, who do you think you are? You're just some small town girl. You'll never make it in the big city. And I was, I, there's, I had to make it because I was not going to go back and live in that small town under the roof with someone who abused me emotionally, sexually, physically. And so um, I think sometimes that pain can motivate us to do things that are sometimes scary, but it's like, which is more scary being in that situation or going after my dreams. And so I chose to go after my dreams and here I am in California. Gosh, 30 years later, I'm still here. I love it here. 
Wow. Oh my gosh. That's, there's so many like ways we can take this. I want to stick on the the sexual abuse with your stepfather, because that must have been so hard to be living under the roof of somebody who was abusing you. And from my understanding, like you didn't tell your mom for a while, you didn't really tell anyone for a while. So what was going through your head and try to take yourself back there. And I know that's probably going to be difficult. So share as much as you feel comfortable try to take us back there and then give your advice in terms of like, what would you tell a young woman going through the same thing right now? And how would you tell her to deal with it? Well, you know, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of fear that just goes along with the sexual abuse. And for a long time, I couldn't talk about it. And it actually, I thought that I had dealt with that trauma. And it wasn't until I started writing my book that I realized, oh my gosh, things that I thought that I had really emotionally processed, I realized I was just running from my whole life. Like I I ran, really ran, physically ran. I became like a track star, set a record in Texas, but I also ran, I ran to California. And it wasn't until I started really doing some of the emotional uh, healing work with therapists, with writing, meditation, prayer that I started to heal. But during that time, you know, it's really confusing as a kid because, and I look at my daughters now and when my oldest daughter turned eight and then when my youngest daughter turned eight years old, I didn't realize things were coming up and I suddenly became this like big mama bear. And it's because that's how old I was when the abuse started to happen And, um, I was confused because I trusted my stepdad. And when someone tells you that this is okay, and this is how dads teach their daughters, but you know, in your gut that it doesn't feel right. And when you speak out on it and they say you're wrong, it really, there's this disconnect. It teaches you not to trust your gut. And so it's been a long process of really learning to trust my gut. And the thing is, you know, our heads might tell us something, our heart might tell us something, but our guts never lie. We know that feeling when something's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And I was scared because I was so young and he said, I will kill your mom if you tell anyone. And I believed him. So for a long time, I didn't tell anyone and I just never felt safe. And I finally got the courage to tell my dad. And that was your, real, your real father, my okay. real dad. And and that took so much courage because, like I said, you feel like it's your fault, like you're, you're damaged. I felt broken. I felt so much shame. And But I was so scared and I didn't want it to continue. I went to my dad and I told him and I said, Dad, please, you can't tell anybody, promise me you won't tell anybody, but because he said he'll, he'll hurt mom, he'll kill her. But, and my dad never told anyone and he never did anything. And that was so hard because I felt not only did I feel okay at first, I'm not protected. I'm not safe. I felt unworthy. Like, well, I'm not even worthy enough for protection. I'm not even worthy enough for someone to stand up for me. And that's all I really wanted was for him to 
go in and save me. But it, you know what it taught me? It taught me that we have to save ourselves, that we have to stick up for ourselves. And it taught me, well, I'm going to have to really take care of myself. And so um, it wasn't long after that that I remember it was the last time my stepfather ever laid a hand on me. And I was in my room and he came in my room and I, he grabbed me by the head and pulled me back. And this is probably a lot to share, but pulled my head back, pulled my hair back on the bed and, and I kicked him. Oh, didn't mean to get emotional. Oh, I'm sorry, Amberly. Oh, you know what? I fought him off. And that was the last day he ever laid a hand on me again. And um, I think that goes along with like, and I'm not saying you should always use, you know, kicking and screaming, but sometimes I think maybe you have to. But he never laid a hand on me after that. And there was a lot of um, emotional, you know, I remember he would, he, would, he would look at me and say, my mom would be doing the dishes and he would mouth to me, you just wait till your mother leaves. So I never felt safe. And safety, I think we all just want to feel safe. We want to feel loved. We want to feel seen and heard. And so my default became to do something that made me feel good. Thank goodness. I think it's so important for, for kids nowadays, especially to have something, to have an outlet. And for me, I'm so grateful I had the outlet of athleticism. I turned to dance. I became a straight A student and a bit of an overachiever. <laughs> I mean, I was, I remember when I graduated from high school, the, the principal called my mom and said, you know, your daughter has won every category. She's been chosen for class favorite, most likely to succeed most school spirit, Miss Greenville High School, she can only choose two. So let her choose two of the two things that she wants to be nominated for. And so I think it, it shows that, you know, even though things may happen that are just horrible and heartbreaking and, and hard, that we have a choice to do something that brings us joy despite our circumstances that we don't have to, even though that brought a lot of shame for me, we don't have to live in shame. We can, we can walk with our head held high and we can overcome things. And just because some bad things happen doesn't mean that we're broken. It means that we can heal and we can be resilient and we can get through those things. And I would say to anyone that is going through something like that, there's so much more nowadays, but thanks to social media, where people are talking about it. It's not such this big, dark secret and I would say reach out for help. And if the first person doesn't help you, then they're just not capable of helping. And you know, my dad did the best that he could. And it wasn't until actually I wrote my book and I let him read the manuscript. And I didn't want to hurt anybody when I shared this part in the book. 
But it ended up being the most healing thing that came out of my book was I healed my relationship with my dad and we were able to talk about those moments. And, you know, he had a really rough childhood and I was able to kind of break that cycle of abuse and trauma by speaking up and having a voice. And now I talk to my daughters about that so they know that, no, it's never okay for anyone to touch you in an inappropriate way or say inappropriate things. And, and I teach my daughters, it's okay to cry because for the longest time I didn't cry. I, I mean, so I'm grateful for these tears because I think from the age, maybe 10 to, I think I was 25, I never cried. And it wasn't until one day I was at the airport and I'd missed my flight and my oldest daughter, I dropped my bags and started crying. And she said, mommy, I didn't know you knew how to cry. And it was because my stepfather would look at me when I cried and he'd say, see, I got you. I knew I had the best of you. I knew I could make you cry. So now when my daughters start to cry, I'm like, yeah, you cry, let it all out. Those are healing tears. Let it out. You know, there's a time to get gritty and, you know, suck it up served me well for a long time. But there's also a time to really let those feelings come up so you can process them and feel them. And and so I would say to anybody going through any sort of situation like that, reach out, reach out for help. There's so much support now, thanks to social media. Oh my gosh, Amberly, thank you so much for sharing that. And I know that that was difficult, but I think you probably helped a lot of people and inspired a lot of people with that story. So let's talk about forgiveness. Like, did you forgive your stepfather? Did you forgive your mother for kind of not allowing it to happen, but not being aware enough, I guess, to know it was happening? And how did you deal with that? You know, forgiveness is it sets us free. It's the gift that we give to ourselves, actually. And um, for me, I, I never, and I've had therapists say, well, you must be upset with your mom. And, and honestly, my mom is such an incredible mom. She, she worked so hard. She had kids. She put food on the table. She most of the time had two jobs at one time. And it's hard to see everything that's going on. And with five kids, with two stepkids that she had, I can only imagine, you know. And so I've never held any sort of resentment or, or anything for her. I, I hold such gratitude for her. In fact, when mm-hmm. I had my own kids, I didn't know that I could have more gratitude for her. But she had a lot of guilt about it. And so I said, Mom, I've healed from that. I've done. And, and I know someone has said, you know, when you cry, it means you haven't healed. And I'm like, I don't know if I believe that. I think that I don't know if you can ever completely 100% heal something like that. I think it's always things that will come up and you realize, oh, that's a layer that I need to work through or an emotion I need to work through. And so my mom and I have a really great relationship where we can talk And, um, but she did when I let her read the manuscript before the book was sent to the publisher, she said, well, can you, I wanted her to have an opportunity to have her say in the book. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, can you write in there? If I could have done this, I would have done this. If I knew about the abuse. And I said, but mom, 
this isn't a book about coulda, woulda, shoulda. It's a book about this is what happened and this is what I have done because of it. And so in other words, sir, you know, things don't always go as planned, but you know, these are the cards I've been dealt and I'm going to choose to play the hell out of these cards. And so I think it was really healing for her as well. Forgiveness with my dad. I didn't realize that I did need to forgive him for that time when I was a little girl and I just wanted to be rescued and saved. But I've, I have, like I said, been able to really have meaningful, deep conversations. And I think that that's part of being resilient and moving forward Mm -hmm. is when you can have those meaningful conversations that really matter, that are hard, they're not so easy, but when you can have those conversations that count. So it's been a difficult process, but a very rewarding journey because I have the kind of relationship now with my dad that I've always wanted to have. I'm really happy to hear that. And I know that it probably helped you, which we'll get into a bit later on when you faced a lot of different setbacks with your health and everything like that. I'm sure going through really traumatic experiences like that and coming out the other side kind of taught you how to overcome setbacks, even if you didn't realize it then, you know, even if you didn't realize that you had built that kind of strength within you. So let's talk about self-pity because a lot of people have things happen to them and they are stuck in this self-pity and they just feel sorry for themselves and, you know, woe is me. How did you decide that you were going to be stronger than that and focus on the present, the future, and not your past and just feel sorry for yourself? Well, you know what? I think we've all been there, right? We've all had days where we're like, oh man, this sucks. Woe is me. You know, why me? Like I, I, whether we've lost a job or, you know, our husband cheat on us or, mm-hmm. you know, my husband didn't, my first husband did. Um, <laughs> just wanted to make that clear. Uh, but it, I remember sitting in the hospital bed and I was, man, I was having that pity party. I was like, oh my gosh, it was the moment when I was watching an infomercial about how to get a Brazilian butt And I remember watching that commercial and I was a a fitness trainer. I was sponsored by Nike. I was nationally recognized as a fitness coach doing infomercials. The day before I had a horrific accident, I was doing a fitness video. I had, I was on the labels of vitamins. So if you walked into like CVS or Rite Aid, you'd see my picture with my daughter for this vitamin company called Hot Mommies. And so I was sitting there going, oh my gosh, staring down at my leg, which was held together with these metal rods and completely exposed. I could see the inside of my leg. I had tubes coming out both arms and a a pick line that went straight into my heart. And I started thinking, why me? Oh my gosh, I'm never going to have a Brazilian butt. What if I never wear a bathing suit again? And it became this roller coaster of emotions of what if, and what if my husband never loves me? What if I never walk again? What if today's the day they're going to amputate my leg? And I was like, whoa, I am crashing hard. Like I, and then I realized, you know, we have a choice. We can keep going down that road and it's okay to have those feelings and have that pity party. We just can't stay there. 
or it will change the rest of our life, the whole course of our life. And so I thought, instead of why me, what's next? Well, what can I do? So that's when I grabbed this little notepad that I still have, and I started writing down everybody that had come into the hospital to see me, to give me gifts and food and flowers, every nurse that was taking care of me, so I wouldn't forget their name when they walked in to to take blood or whatever. And I noticed how it really started changing the way I felt. Instead of looking down at my leg and feeling sorry for myself, I started thinking about how blessed I was for still being alive. And you know, this morning, I think one of the reasons I'm so emotional is today is actually the day that 11 years ago, I was hit by the SUV. And so today, I kind of take this day and celebrate life that I've been given a second chance. And I think that every day is a day for all of us to choose to celebrate life. And the quickest and easiest way to get out of that victim mentality is to think about how grateful you are. And there's always something to be grateful for. But I think we can have that victim mentality and say, why me? Or we can have the mentality of a victor and say, what's next? Why not me? Maybe I can heal and show others how they can walk through those difficult times too. And so gratitude is something I practice every morning. And this morning, I also write to my sponsor. I've been sober for five years. This journey and took me down a dark path where I started trying to drink for pain. And I actually wrote to my sponsor this morning, gratitude. And on top of that gratitude list was you that I got to be with you Mm -hmm. on your podcast because it's such an honor because you're somebody I really look up to, especially with all that you've done with your life and your hard times. And so um, I'm just grateful to be here with you. Oh, Amberly, I'm so grateful for you. This is just like a love fest. <laughs> wow, I'm so honored that, you know, you're spending such a powerful day for you with us on the podcast. And I don't want to like bulldoze over this really important story and turning point in your life when you got into this terrible accident. Like I was meaning to actually tell that story to our listeners because I think it's so powerful. So you went to California your career blew up. You were a dancer. You were an MC Hammer music video. <laughs> that was your big break, right? You said you were sponsored by Nike. You were on the face. You were like on vitamins and vitamins and like people would see you in stores. You know, you became recognized as somebody really dominating in your field of fitness and dance. And you did it on your own. Like you told us, you basically ran away from home 18 years old and did it on your own, which is just so amazing. And then everything was just like a, it sounds like you just had a wonderful life from 18 to 38, you know, or. Well, I was a single mom for a long time. Mm. And I tell us about, tell us that period, 18 to 38. And then what happened that day? Well, you know, I think that I had worked hard to build my career as a dancer. And um, then that transitioned into fitness in between then I met my ex-husband who (laughs) 
my family was not very approving of. <laughs> um, sorry, Savannah, my daughter, if you listen to this, but you know, her dad, um, I'm grateful for because he gave me my beautiful daughter, but he had hair down to his butt. He was a rocker. I didn't know at the time he was, uh, had a little bit of some addiction problems, but he was a bad boy. And I had never had a bunch of, I never dated or had a lot of boyfriends. Like I said, I was a tomboy and I didn't even develop, uh, you know, grow and fill out a little bit until after high school, actually. And so I met him and he swept me off my feet. That was very short lived. I got pregnant three months after meeting him and I got married when I was eight months pregnant. And I was really a disgrace to my family because I grew up in the Bible belt and I was living in sin. And so mm-hmm. I decided at eight months to marry him to make it right, even though I knew again in my gut that this is not going to work out. But I was pregnant and I was trying to do the right thing. And so I think I married him because I wanted the approval of my family. Um, mm-hmm. And that was the right thing to do. Well, we were divorced by the time she was a year old. He was cheating on me. His, it, it, I won't throw him under the bus completely, but it wasn't good. And mm-hmm. so I was a single mom for, for years. And my oldest daughter used to go to work with me and she would hide under the little office cubicle in the cubicle under the desk while I would train clients. She learned how to be a lady and sit and have manners because I had very high-end clients in Beverly Hills that were very well-to-do. And I was always invited to their galas and their parties and their, you know, their tea parties. And, mm-hmm. and they would always invite me. I was their, what they called me was their aerobics girl. And so I would be invited and my daughter went everywhere with me. So she went with me and she learned how to sit and put a napkin in her lap and engage with them and have conversation. And um, she also learned that hard work pays off because I was able to buy my first house again after having lost everything. My ex-husband took everything. He took the house. He took my savings. He ran up my credit card bills. It was terrible. He destroyed my credit. And so I rebuilt everything and rebuilt this business. It had, you know, uh, several trainers that worked for me. It was a big business. So she saw that how hard I worked through those moments. And I have to just say, I'm so proud of her because she just got accepted to Yale. So she's going to be going to Yale. She wants to be a doctor. And I think that seeing me go through so many surgeries, I asked her, I'm like, what made you want to become a doctor? And she's like, mom, you did seeing you go through 34 surgeries is. And so she, I'm so proud of her. And so I, when I, life was good when right before I had my accident, I finally met the man of my dreams. I thought I was going to be a single mom forever. I was good with that. But we were told that we weren't able to have children together. Miraculously, we conceived. I have Ruby, who is like my little mini me. She's a little athlete and a tomboy. And I mean, she's so much fun. And life was really good. And my career was booming. And that's when I was doing the infomercials and contributing to magazines like Shape and Fit Pregnancy. 
And in a blink of an eye, everything changed. And I think that's, like I said, one of the reasons I was so emotional because I was thinking, you know, how grateful I am to be able to live life, to walk again when I was told I'd be wheelchair bound, to love again when I thought, oh my gosh, is my husband going to stick with me through all of this? And so I just feel so blessed. And I think sometimes it's important, you know, we can get on that hamster wheel and everything can get busy and we forget to think of just the little things that we're grateful for. And so for me, I'm just so grateful this morning to, I was like, I can get up and make coffee. I can't, you know, and that's a lot of, instead of saying I have to do something, when you say I get to do something, it just changes everything as well. So yeah, so I'm proud of my daughter. I'm, I'm like, for me, who I never even went to college, to have a daughter go to Yale is like, yeah, that's, it's a miracle. It's amazing. That's it's hard work. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with, to look up how to solve their problems, to learn from industry thought leaders. They're in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You wanna get them in the right mindset. You wanna cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that, they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who want to try LinkedIn ads. You can get a $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you want to make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Young and profiters, as you may know, I launched my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass a little bit over a year ago. It was my first course. And so far, I've generated well over $500,000. And the best part is, I didn't have to figure out how to set up my mastermind subscriptions, how to do abandoned cart targeting, and all of that tech geeky stuff. I just left that all to Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And if you're in that I need to sell more with less stage, Shopify magic is your AI superpowered sidekick ready to whip up captivating content that converts. And it doesn't matter if you're selling digital products or vegan cosmetics. Shopify helps you sell anything anywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Stop those online window shoppers in their tracks and turn them into loyal customers with the internet's best converting checkout. I'm talking 36% better on average compared to the other options out there. It's no wonder Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, including huge global brands like Allbirds and Thrive Cosmetics. It took me a day to set up my Shopify store. 
I set up chat, took two minutes, and I was done. One month from thinking of the idea to implementation, a year later, I've made half a million dollars on the idea. That's what it takes in 2024, just a good idea. And then utilizing a platform like Shopify that can help you make it a reality. There is no excuse these days. If you've got a good business idea and you think you'll be a good entrepreneur, you don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to be super techie. And you never have to worry about figuring it out on your own. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash profiting. Young and profiters, are you dreaming about starting a course? Do you want to go from one to one to one to many and scale yourself? If you're thinking about starting a course, then you need to hear about Kajabi. Kajabi is the OG of course platforms. I've got creators in my network like Jenna Kutcher and Amy Porterfield who have been using Kajabi for over a decade. These ladies know what they're doing. They are literally the course queens. And so I took a page from their playbook and I started using Kajabi. I've been playing around with it because I'm launching a podcast course next month and I need a lot of features that only a course platform would have like Kajabi. And they've thought of it all. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. One of the smartest things that I did when I launched my course is I focused on the content. I lasered in on that. I made sure people were getting the best investment they could, that I wouldn't get any refunds, that people would tell their friends, and my course would be successful by word of mouth. And I did that by focusing on my content, what I was good at, and not all the tech. Leave the tech stuff for your course to Kajabi. They are experts in that area, and they've thought of everything that you would ever need for your course. So if you want to start your course, now is your chance. As you guys may know, I always ask my sponsors for a free trial for any software that we talk about on the show. And Kajabi was super generous. They gave us a free 30-day trial that you can get at kajabi.com profiting. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash profiting. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash profiting. Go to kajabi.com slash profiting and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. I'm sure it's hard work and you must be so proud and I'm sure your daughter looks up to you so much and just, you know, learned so much from you. And honestly, I feel emotional in this interview because I just feel like, God has chosen you. Like, I feel like you've been through so much pain and like unnecessary pain, like compared to most people in the world, like the things that you've dealt with. We didn't really get into it, but guys, she got into a a very terrible motorcycle accident where an SUV hit her and they told her that she would have to amputate her leg. and, And, you know, she went to 34 surgeries and still has, you know, a leg that looks different than everybody else's leg, but you know what? She can walk, she can run, she can bike, and she focuses on the things that she can do. And like I said, I really think that you were chosen for getting other people out of their circumstances. Like now you're bringing so much good into the world, even though you've been through the ringer, you know, and it's just, 
you're so strong. And I just want to say that you're just so strong and you're just so resilient. And this is your purpose, like turning your pain into your purpose. That's what a lot of people who come on my show say. And, and that's exactly what you've done. Thank you. Well, I think it can make pain can be, it has been a really big teacher for me because I used to grit growing up in Texas and, and being an athlete and a dancer and, and, I learned a lot about grit, but I think it's also taught me about grace, about giving yourself grace, about listening to your body and understanding what you need, and also about kindness and and being kind to others and having compassion. And especially now with what's going on in the world, you know, I was just at, at dry bar the other day. I don't know if... <laughs> If you ever go get hair blown out. And they're so they were so nice and they they said, gosh, you know, the the lady at the front desk remembers you. She's like, you're her favorite person. I'm like, really? That's so nice. And she said, Well, it's because you're kind. And so many people come in here and they're not kind. And I said, I said, Yeah, you know, people are going through a lot, but if you can look at it and understand that maybe they're, they're in pain or they're going through a lot and have some compassion and some kindness. And that's that, that moment, it changes everything. And she said, yeah, but I wish everybody could be a little more kind. And I think it's so true. If, if you can just have some, a little more compassion, a little more kindness, it can change someone's day. It can change someone's life. And so I think that's what we need right now with so many of us going through, thank goodness the world's opening up again. It's like, that's what gives me hope. Like, yes, I just did my Mm -hmm. first in-person event and I was like, yes, I get to hug people. I get to be around people. But um, it just makes such a difference when we can connect with people with kindness. This episode of Yap is sponsored by NordVPN, the fastest VPN out there. Let's set some context because I'm sure there's some people who don't know what a VPN is. A VPN is a virtual private network that protects your internet connection and privacy. It also allows you to take control of your IP address so you don't get blocked due to the country that you reside in. At Yap Media, we use VPNs all the time. I run a social media marketing agency and half my team is based in the Philippines and India. And oftentimes we need multiple people in every social media account so that we can get our job done. And so LinkedIn, Instagram, they'll flag if there's a lot of people from different countries in the same account and they'll find it suspicious, even though we're just doing our job and it's everybody employed at Yap Media working on the account. But that's where NordVPN comes in. It's super easy to use. It just takes a few clicks and you're done. And they have servers in 59 countries. NordVPN runs on every major platform, even your Android TV. And speaking of TV, don't let your location limit what you can watch or the games you can play. If there's a streaming platform or a game not available in your country, you can simply change your virtual location. And the best part is there's no more bandwidth throttling. With NordVPN, it encrypts all of your traffic so your internet service provider can't slow down your streaming speed. Go to nordvpn.com slash yap and use promo code yap to get a two-year plan plus one additional month with a huge discount. And guys, it is a big discount. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you've got nothing to lose. That's nordvpn.com, N-O-R-V-P-N.com slash yap, or just use promo code yap. 
This episode of Yap is brought to you by Policy Genius. It's warming up and the world is finally opening up. Many of us are gearing up to travel and take our first vacations in over a year. And that means there's no better time to save on life insurance. That way you'll have a bigger summer budget for summer things like pool floats, flip-flops, and that new luggage you've been eyeing. Between Father's Day, Flag Day, and National Yo-Yo Day, the month of June has a lot going on. Thankfully, Policy Genius makes it easy to cross life insurance off your list so you can get back to yo-yoing. In all seriousness, if someone relies on your financial support, whether it's a child, aging parent, or even a business partner, you need life insurance. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. And you can save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. And the licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. You can trust them to help you navigate every step of the way. And getting started is super easy. Head to policygenius.com and in just minutes, you can figure out how much life insurance coverage you need. You can compare personalized quotes and find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and all the scheduling and it's totally for free and they never add on any sketchy fees. Head over to policygenius.com to get started right now. Save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes on policygenius.com. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. Okay, so I want to talk about your chronic pain. So from my understanding, you... Um, your doctors basically told you when you first got into that accident that they wanted to amputate your leg, but you and your husband were firm and, and said, no, you know, we're going to work through this. You found a doctor who would, you know, perform surgeries for you so that you could keep your leg. But unfortunately it's left you with chronic pain. Right. And I think it's called like the suicide disease or something along those lines. So Tell us about chronic pain, how you deal with it, and maybe help us understand how many people deal with chronic pain and maybe like how we as people who don't deal with chronic pain, how we could be more sensitive and like aware of the people that are suffering with that. Thank you for asking about that. Yeah, well, I I just thought, especially being an athlete and being injured before and being a dancer, you get injured, you just work hard, you rest and you get better. And I couldn't understand why my pain seemed to be getting worse. My leg Mm -hmm. was a different color. It looked, besides being deformed and scarred, it just looked different. And I remember someone, a friend of mine came over and he said, why is one leg a different color than the other one? And I'm like, I don't know. It's healing. I don't know. And then I went to one of my doctors and I thought he's going to be so proud of me because I'm standing upright on crutches and they told me it would take me two years to be upright because my leg was just so crushed into pieces. And I went in to see him and he ran out of the office. And I remember looking at my husband and going, well, that's not the reaction I was hoping for. And he comes back in and he said, you've got something very serious. And I said, well, yeah, I know I've got something very serious. I was hit by an SUV. He said, no, you've got complex regional pain syndrome. Your life is never going to be the same. You're going to be permanently disabled. You need to go back home and get in your wheelchair. And I was like, well, how long do I need to stay in my wheelchair? He said, 
forever. And I was crushed. I thought this cannot be the rest of my life. And so I did probably the worst thing that I could do was I went home and I Googled what complex regional pain syndrome was. And it's like, Mm. oh, it's the suicide disease. There's no known cure. The pain is ranked highest on the pain scale and you will, your life will never be the same. It was horrible. And all the pictures that came up. And so that Mm. really led me to a place of denial. I was like, that's not me. I did not want to look at it. And I think that no matter what we're going through, unless we really take a look at it and we get take radical acceptance for where we are, that's when we can really start to take action steps to feel better. And so there, it's the numbers, not for CRPS, but people with chronic pain, the numbers are crazy. There's like three out of five people or I think three out of five that are, live with chronic pain. And the chronic pain is when something that is, you know, last for a long period of time. For me, it is sometimes feels like there's a vice grip around my foot. It's a disease of the sympathetic nervous system. So it's where your, your nervous system is all out of whack and there's a constant loop of pain. So, I mean, I've tried everything from a spinal stimulator, ketamine infusions, Eastern Western medicine. I was on 73 homeopathic pills, like literally handfuls of pills a day, 11 different prescription medications and nothing was helping with the pain and nothing helps except really the thing that has the most impact made the biggest difference was resilience. And that's something that we all have. And so I had to figure out ways to be more resilient. And that is really not a pill. It's not one thing I do. It's mind, body, spirit, and it's a mind, body, spirit transformation. And so for me, it's really about, it starts with mindset. And until you can get your mindset right, that's when you can start to say, like you were saying earlier about the, the, you know, why me, when you can get out of that and say, okay, what's next? When you can start to switch the soundtracks in your head, the the soundtrack of saying, oh, I'll, you know, I'll never work again. I'll never be cured. I'll never, you know, I'm deformed. And you can switch that to something, a positive affirmation, even if you don't believe it right away, you start to believe it if you repeat it. And it's powerful if you say it out loud. So I think it's really important to look at what you're telling yourself because we can be our own worst enemy or we can be our biggest cheerleader. And then I think it's so important to surround yourself with people who are positive because, and I say this because when I first got diagnosed, I had doctors tell me, well, you need to get in a support group. You need therapy. You need to get on this antidepressant. Antidepressants did not work for me. I tried several different ones and I know they work great for some people, but for me, they, I threw them up. I was sick every day. And I thought, I think I'll just, I know if I can move my body, it'll move my mind and I'll feel better because moving your body releases endorphins that combat pain. When you're in pain, sometimes you're scared to move. You don't want the pain to get worse. There's a, there's oh you have to see how much you can move before, you know, cause more pain. And then you also have to think about how you can rest so you can recover. But moving your body is essential. And it not just releases endorphins, it makes you more confidence, it makes you feel capable. So for example, when I was in the hospital, 
I couldn't even use the bathroom on my own. I had to use, and that's a humbling experience when you have to use a bedpan. But I knew if I could just try to do things to make me feel stronger mentally, physically, and spiritually, I would be better. So I asked the doctors if they could install a pull-up barb over the bed. I had one of my friends from the gym bring me some dumbbells. And so I was doing curls for my upper body. I was lifting myself up for my bedpan, which the nurses loved, by the way. They're like, oh, good. She can take care of herself. But I did everything I could to make me feel like I was moving in the right direction. And so if you're in pain, it's so important to start where you are, use what you have and do what you can, even that's if that's a, a little bit. And that's a lot about what I share, like even on you know my social media, is things that you can do to start switching your mindset, to start feeling better physically. And so it's, I changed my eating and it changed my life. I cut out alcohol. I started drinking every day when no medications or anything was working. I was like, well, this wine kind of numbs the pain, kind of helps me stuff down these feelings a little bit. And I have a family history of addiction and I knew, oh my gosh, how how did I start drinking every day? How did this happen? And so I knew I needed help from that. That was like a vicious cycle. So it's so important to ask yourself, what's work? How's that working for you? Is that helping you or is it hurting you? Is it moving you closer to your goals or further away? Is it causing more pain or is it causing you to be like more resilient, more power, more empowered? And mm. so I think it's a process of of so many things, of shifting your perspective, of being an acceptance, of having a community of people around you, of getting gritty and tapping into your purpose, having a purpose, and then also resting and really recovering. That's so important. Getting enough sleep. Because I used to just hustle, hustle, hustle. And it's like, we need to to have downtime so we can not just rest our bodies, but also spark creativity. Oh my gosh. You just gave so many awesome gems. I love how you talked about moving your body because that's also what you did when you were younger to get out of your pain. You know, you focus on dance, you focus on fitness and running and everything like that to kind of just get over your pain. And so that's definitely something that I feel like you probably learned from your younger years. So your podcast, your book, it's called True Grit and Grace. I think that it's very clear where you got your grit from, but I'd love to hear the grace piece. Like where does grace fit into all of this and how can we be graceful when we're trying to overcome our adversities? Oh, thank you for asking. And the grace part is something I think I learned the hard way. I mean, I always grew up going to church and I, you know, I had a God in my life, but I really cut God out. And um, I was all in my ego, which ego stands for, I think, edging God out. And so I had kind of lost that, that connection to my higher power. And especially when I started drinking for pain and that just really, you disconnects you from, and whether you believe in God, for me, it's God, or whether you believe in universe or higher power, my good friend, Shannon always says, Gus, let Gus drive the bus. So God, universe, spirit. So I always remind myself, get out of myself, get out of my ego, get out of my own way 
and let go and let God. And I think when we know we're not alone on our journey, that's what allows me to have faith in what lies ahead. But the grace part for me was when I was at my lowest point and I was really thinking, you know, my daughters could find another mom. My husband could find another wife that I feel like by the grace of God, there was that spark, um, that light, that little glimmer of hope that was left in me that took a lot of courage to ask for help. And so by the grace of God, I did ask for help. And I think that changed my life. I think that you never know how when somebody asks for help, that it could be that they're that saving moment for them. And so I learned that God was there all the time just for me. I just needed to let God in. And so grace is for me that God has lifted the obsession of drinking, that God has watched. Man, I have guardian angels. I swear they work overtime because it's been a journey. Mm-hmm. I, I think I was hit by my daughter and I were hit by a car just in December. And just this week, it's taken this long months that my daughter finally said, Mom, you know, those little razors, the little scooters, let's go for a scooter ride. So it takes time to heal. And I'm like, God was watching over me and my daughter then. God is always watching over. And so grace, the grace is the grace that we give ourselves to because I can be so hard on myself. My gosh, I can just beat myself up and tell myself I'm not good enough or who am I to go do that TED Talk or or who am I to be on your incredible podcast? You have like, you're the person I look to for what you're doing next for podcasting because mm-hmm. your podcast is like number one. And so I could sit there and go, who am I to be on her podcast? But it's like the grace that we give ourselves that no, you know, think about the hardest thing you've, when I, when I'm feeling like that, I think about the hardest thing I've ever overcome. And I think, well, my gosh, if I can get through 34 surgeries, I can go stand on that stage or I can go talk in that clubhouse room or I can, you know, go on the podcast or whatever it is that you're scared of. It's like, think about the hardest thing you've ever overcome. And for me, I really make it a practice to connect to God every day. So I start my day with a prayer and it's not fancy. It's not pretty. A lot of times I just talk to God and, um, you know, some people might, I feel the most connected in nature, um, not necessarily in church, but so that's really the grace that I think that came into my life, the grace that I give myself that I think it's so important during these times that we all give ourselves a lot of grace because we've all had to to change and, and be flexible. And some of us have had to completely pivot altogether. So that's mm-hmm. where the grace comes in. I love that. And then uh, from my understanding, you start your morning with a prayer to kind of get you into the right mindset. Uh, could you share that with us? Like how you start your day to get you in the right mindset? Uh, yeah, I think that if I don't start my day with a grounding myself, oh my gosh, I am all over the place. And so when, you know, I want to grab my phone first thing, I want to check Instagram. I want to check emails. I want to see what's going on. But if I do, if, if you do that, you're pulled in a million different directions. It's like you, 
you know, you, you don't have a say so in your schedule, but when you start your day with your intentions and, and whatever morning routine works for you, I think that you have to figure out what works for you and stick to that and do what feels good. Cause if it doesn't feel good, if it doesn't bring you joy, then you're probably not going to stick to it. And so for mm-hmm. me, what makes me feel better is if I start my day with a, a quick, it's a quick prayer, sometimes a long prayer before my feet hit the floor. Also, a prayer throughout the day, and actually I have this on my desk. It's the serenity prayer. And I love this because it doesn't have to be, it's not about religious it's about spirituality. And for me, it's, you know, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And so I say that prayer whenever I'm struggling, but I also said, you know, like I I have a gratitude list and I write down what I'm grateful for. I write down what my intentions are for the day. So anything I do, whether, you know, it's writing a post or making a phone call or, you know, what coaching a client or being um, on a podcast or doing one of my podcasts, I always think about what my intentions are. And that Mm -hmm. is to bring hope and inspiration, to add value and to to bring some love in too. And then I think, you know, it's important to have accountability for me that helps keep me on track. So every morning I read something out of usually a daily reflections book or some sort of a spiritual book and I screenshot it and I take a picture of that and I send it to my sponsor and she sends me something back. So it helps when you think you're too busy and you can't do the, you're like, nope, I'm going to be accountable to this person and I'm going to do it. So I think it's real important to have somebody, whether it's uh, a friend, a be, you know, best friend, a coach, a mentor, being a mastermind, hold yourself accountable. And also, so you know, you're not alone. I think for me, a mastermind and masterminding is what changed a lot for me, not just with my mindset, but with my business. So don't, you don't have to do it alone. That's what I would say. Start your morning off getting grounded and know you're not alone in it. Yeah. And for me, like this is one of the biggest takeaways of today's session is that you got to take time to work on your mental health and not just go to the thing that feels good, like pausing, taking time to reflect, taking time to be grateful, all of that. My next question is about the difference between pushing through pain and pacing through pain, because I know that you're really not a proponent of pushing through pain. So I want to know why is that the wrong approach? And then how can we pace our ourselves through it instead. You are so good. You know, I've never been asked that question. That's amazing. Yeah. Because you know what? (laughs) I used to push through pain and that's all I knew, you know, growing up, I was told, Oh, you're throwing up. Don't throw up on the track. You know, my track coach would be like off the track to throw up and keep running. My dance teacher would be like, I don't care if your toes are bleeding and your point shoes, the show must go on. And so my whole life, I pushed through pain, pushed through so much. And let me tell you, you can't really push through CRPS. CRPS is the hardest thing I've ever gone through. It's harder than the 34 surgeries um, because you live with it every single day and the pain can suck the energy out of you. It can destroy relationships. It can make you bitter if you choose but we have a choice and it took me a lot. It took me down a dark path and 
to where I was having suicidal thoughts. I mean, it's called the suicide disease. And I quickly learned why, because it's, it's can be torturous if we allow, if we don't have the proper tools. And so I had a friend of mine ask me, well, how do you, once I started doing these things that I do every single day to be more resilient, I had a friend say, how do you do that? How do you go get on a plane and go to an event? How do you continue to coach people and work when other people can't get out of bed? And I really thought about it. And there are things that I do every day and we've talked about them, but I'll just share them really quick. So instead of pushing through the pain, I think, and and some people get triggered and don't like the word pace. I know I didn't. And this all came about because my husband told me, you need to pace yourself. And it pissed me off. And I thought, I I don't, it's kind of like when somebody tells you, you need to calm down. It's like, what? I'm not going to calm down. And so I started thinking, well, I do pace myself and pacing for me is, and that's how I came up with the word pacer. And it's a quick reminder for me to whenever, not just pain, but whenever I'm feeling anxious or I'm sad or I'm in a funk or I'm really tired and I'm like, what have I not done to be more resilient? And so you can be more resilient if you just do these five things. So perspective, shift your perspective. The moment you start to feel crappy or anxious or sad or scared, like the the quickest and easiest way to shift your perspective is with gratitude. So I think about what what is one thing I'm grateful for? This morning I woke up, my leg is really stiff from going to to the gym yesterday. And I thought, gosh, I'm so sick of this pain. I thought, wait a minute. No, I'm grateful I can walk because 11 years ago, I was on life support with tubes going down my throat and a machine breathing for me. So no, I'm grateful. And it quickly, let me tell you, it, it really allowed, it's alchemy. It turns what you can't do into what you can do and what you don't have into what you do have. Acceptance is the next part of PACER. Like we've talked about before, you take radical acceptance that allows you to take action steps to make your life the best that it can be. And when, you know, you start to share what you're going through and you get real and it's hard to take a good hard look at your life sometimes, but when you get real and you feel comfortable to share that with people that you love or trust, you start to build community. And that's the next part of PACER because community might be the most important part pacer. I used to try to do it alone and I, I, mm-hmm. I couldn't together. We're stronger. And that's something you do so well. You're always teaching people how to promote their podcast, how to build their platform, how to do, you know, whether it's through your podcast or through clubhouse, mm-hmm. I'm always amazed at how much you share and you give and the culture and the community that you have built. And that takes endurance, which is the next part of PACER. And that is really where I think your passion and your purpose come into to play. It's, it, you know, we're not always going to be motivated. And so if we can think about, remember why we started, that will usually light up a fire underneath us to keep us going. And then the last part of PACER, which I wanted to leave off, I wanted to leave the R off and just call it PACE. Um, because I'm still learning this last part. The rest part is so hard for me because I think in my mind, I used to think that resting meant quitting. 
and I didn't want to be a quitter. But resting is really, if you really want to be resilient, you have to strategically stop. You have to allow yourself to have times to recover and rejuvenate um, so you can be more creative, so that you can pause and, and then reflect on what you need to do. What are your next steps? It allows you time to listen to your heart and your soul and your intuition. And I think that resting is you know, so many people think of it as like a a luxury or it's, you know, but it's, it's really important if we want to keep moving and we don't want to get burnout to take times to rest. So, you know, you can see more about in depth about the pacer method on my Ted talk that I did. And, um, there's a link for it in my bio and stuff, but that's really what helps me. And I hope that it helps you next, anyone who's listening that, get through a difficult time. Like what are those things? And and I've had somebody, one of my friends, when I was freaking out because we had some fires here the other day and she asked me how I was doing. I'm like, I'm freaking out. We might have to evacuate the horses at the barn. And, and she was like, texted one word back to me. She texted the word pacer. And I was like, oh yeah. How can I shoot? <laughs> yeah. I love that. I think that is such a great rule of thumb for us to kind of have as a guide. And I think that some of us might be really good at certain parts of that method, but then not good at others. Like, for example, I'm just like you, like the rest piece is something that I always skip over. I always just try to keep going, keep going, keep going. But it's important to rest, be mindful, you know, be grateful, take a break, (laughs) enjoy yourself and not just like burn yourself out to your point. So I love that. So I also want to talk about the fact that you've transformed your career over and over and over. A dancer to a fitness instructor. Now you're a speaker, you're a podcast host. Four years ago, you didn't even know how to use a computer. Like that's incredible. How did you teach yourself all of this? How did you overcome the imposter syndrome? How did you evolve your career so drastically and become an influencer and all these different things that you are? It's so much different from who you were, you know, 10 years ago. So how did you do it? Oh, well, thank you. You know, yeah. And I wasn't on social, it wasn't that long ago that I wasn't even on social media. I mean, I started an Instagram just to really basically stalk my oldest daughter and see what she was up to. (laughs) But, you know, I think to get over that imposter syndrome, I think, first of all, that's just a feeling that we get when we know we're about to do something really big and important and meaningful. And so if we can kind of reframe it and that's what I do in my mind is like, okay, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone and I'm about to make some magic and I'm doing, I'm, I'm moving forward. And so I want to say that you're, who may ever, ever may be listening and you're, you're not maybe happy with what you're doing or you want more out of life. This is your sign to go for it. It's never too late you're never too old. You're never too young. You're never, you know, don't, I used to think, oh, well, I'm just not smart enough. I don't have a college education or, and I've had plenty of naysayers and you know what? I always, I've had, I've been an underdog for a lot of my life. And that's to me where I get a lot of my motivation is when somebody tells me I can't do something. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, really? Thank you Mm -hmm. for that motivation. Watch me. (laughs) (laughs) watch me here I go and so I think that when I think about the passion I had inside me was I wanted to give others the hope that had been given to me I wanted to 
share, I thought if I can write a book and if I can show somebody that they can get through the most difficult moments, that they can turn a tragedy into triumph, that they can never give up, then that will give my pain purpose. That will make meaning out of going through the hell that I went through with my motorcycle accident. And so I focused on that and I didn't vote fo- what my intention was. I thought, well, I'm going to write a book and everybody was like, yeah, right. Okay. Fitness girl, you don't even own a computer. And I remember I was invited um, to go speak at this, um, motivational series by Lorna Jane. And I'm not sure if you know who that is, but it's a big fitness line. And Mm -hmm. they invited me to speak at this event for inspiring women. And it was me and these fitness celebrities and authors like Daniel Laporte. And then there was me and the media rolled up and my picture was there. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, all these people have these huge followings. And I had like I don't know, 300 followers on Instagram, no website, nothing. And when I decided to write my book, I hand wrote probably 80, 90% of the book. And I remember when I had to send a picture to the event for Lorna Jane, I didn't even know I was using my husband's laptop and I didn't even know how to attach a picture to an email. And I asked him, I was like, honey, can you teach me how to do it? He goes, Oh, what do you need now? And I was, I just cried. I was like, I don't know how to do this and you're not helping me. And I was like, that's it. I'm going to go buy a computer. I'm going to learn. So I went to Apple, bought a laptop, took a class, raised my hand over and over and over and asked like, how do you, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know how to work it. But when the event came up for Lorna Jane and I realized, oh my gosh, if I'm serious about having a message, I got to get serious about learning how to get my message out there. So I learned how to, to use Instagram. I used, bought the laptop. I typed up my book. I found a publisher. They said, we don't do marketing. I figured out, I'm still figuring out how to do marketing, but I built it from the ground up and I leave my very first post on Instagram. I leave them up there, which you see a lot of people that are have hundreds of thousands of followers and every post looks perfect. I'm like, no, go take a look at mine on Instagram. I leave it there on purpose to show that we all start somewhere. I sucked. And I still do some posts that are like, oh, why did I post that? That was terrible. But it's like, it's just getting out there and starting and doing it. And if somebody like me can write a book by hand, learn how to use a computer, get a publisher, my book launched on the Today Show and became a bestseller in three different categories. And I went on to do the Doctors TV, Hallmark, a TED Talk. Now I've shared the stage with Mel Robbins, you know, Jay Shetty, Brandon Burchard, some of my favorite people, Trent Shelton. And so if Someone like me can do this. Anybody, you're listening right now. If you've got a book in you, like 80% of people want to write a book, this is your sign. Write a book. Just start writing every day and focus on why it is you want to write that book and who knows where it can connect you. I mean, I'm so grateful. The, The best thing that's come out of my book are the connections that I've made along the way. 
Like I, I would have never met you had I not written my book. I'm sure, you know, I would never probably wouldn't even be using a, a, a laptop or a computer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do it. Go write the book. Go after your dreams. Life is short. And I feel like we need to live full out and decide every day that we are going to find joy in the journey and really live our, our purpose and our passion. Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password. And then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Young and profiters, Yap Media is growing so fast. I have 10 open roles just this month. In the past, it would take me so long to find hires. I have to go on all these different job sites. I have to create my own skills assessments. That's why I let Indeed do a lot of this heavy lifting for me. Indeed is the powerful hiring platform where I can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed has things like skills assessments, where when we have specific roles, we can find an assessment that matches that role and we can make sure they have the skills that we need. Then I can focus on culture fit. I can make sure they're scrappy enough and are obsessed with excellence and do all the things that we need to do for them to fit in at YAP. And Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools like Instant Match. An Instant Match basically matches you with candidates as soon as you put up a job post with people who are qualified right away. It's instant. And the best part is it gets better as you use it. So now when I use Indeed, especially when I'm hiring for similar roles, I get people right away where they know that I'm going to like the candidates because they can see what my preferences were in the past. It gets better as you use it. According to US Indeed data, the moment Indeed sponsors a job, over 80% of employers get candidates whose resumes are a perfect match for the position. It's like waving a magic wand that gets better as you use it. So I love using Indeed. We've found a lot of our A players on there. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide who count on Indeed to hire their next superstar like we do at Yap Media. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash profiting. Offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 sponsored job credit at indeed.com slash profiting. Again, that's indeed.com slash profiting and support the show by saying you heard about it on Young and Profiting Podcast. Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Oh my gosh. This is so, one of the most inspiring episodes I feel like we've ever had on Younger and Poverty. But I, I keep feeling like crying I just because I'm so proud of you. Like I'm so proud that you got over all these things and you followed your dreams and you didn't listen to the naysayers. And I, and I think back to my story, how, you know, 2018, I wanted to start Young and Profiting Podcast and everybody told me, what are you doing? You're ruining your life. You're following an old dream. You're never going to be able to do it. You're going to ruin your career. You're ruining your life. And thank God I just did it and didn't listen to anyone and figured it out and learned it on my own. You know, there wasn't office hours on Clubhouse back then. I learned it on my own and you can learn anything on your own. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I feel like we're a lot of alike in what we've overcome. I mean, your story is different than mine, but yeah. our mindset and our grit is so similar and, mm-hmm. and what you have built. And I know you had some naysayers and you were dealt some cards that were like, really? I've worked my ass off and this is what I get. But I think every hard situation that you've been through too has led you, has given you the grit and has led you to where you are today. And I think it also, do do you feel like it makes you appreciate where you are today even more? Oh yeah, I feel like the reason why I'm so hardworking and just attack every day is because like nothing was ever handed to me. Like nothing was, I was never like just picked for something and was like luck, like never, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, especially with my name and everything like that, I was, it's actually been a fight to get anything good in my life. You know, only recently now I'm being really accepted just very, like the last year since podcast magazine was the first time I felt like I ever got something where I was like, wow, like, I'm not sure if I was exactly ready for this. Like they really gave me this really nice look like this. That was the first time I ever actually felt like I got something not easy, but like, like, wow, I was actually given this award. Like, you know what I mean? Or like this, this opportunity. That's the first time I ever felt like I got an opportunity. You worked your ass off for that. Yeah. You put I know, in and the I'm work, still... you put in the work every day. And a lot of people, you know, that, that listen to your podcast, they might not know if they don't do a podcast on their own, just all the behind the scenes that goes on in and bring in an episode every week. And uh, I mean, you release so many episodes, but I I just, I, the reason I say I really, I, I look to you for podcasting because you're such an inspiration in what you have created and what you've done and, and what you're doing for so many women out there that you're that are you're giving them a voice and I was just talking to my youngest daughter about this last night because my husband and her kind of got in a little argument and he kind of shut her down and I was like uh uh-uh, uh wait a minute nope she's expressing her opinion and so we had a big family talk around the dinner table but we got in the car I love our car rides my daughter and I because that's when we have our like really our deep conversations and I was like you know Ruby I'm really proud of you for having a voice and for sharing how you feel I said I want you to always speak up and know how powerful your voice is and that's what you do for so many oh, Holly. You, you really you're you're incredible and um, I've just 
been so inspired by um, your clubhouse rooms. I want to I want to get in on clubhouse with you again soon, and of your course. podcast. And so it's just such a joy to be here with you and and connect with you and your audience is incredible. Thank you so much, Amberly. I feel the same way about you guys. You have to go check out her podcast. It's called True Grit and Grace. Amberly, the last question that I ask all my guests, and this is your opportunity to give a piece of advice that maybe you, we haven't covered yet. Uh, what is your secret to profiting in life? My secret to profiting in life is really having my priorities in place and knowing what my values are. Because to me, profiting is not just about money. It's about mm-hmm. your health. It's about your relationships. And so I feel like when you know what your values are, it helps you make decisions a little easier. And when you know what your priorities are, it helps you put yourself on your to-do list. And when you can take care of yourself, then you can help others and you can take care of your family and your clients. And so I think that just really take a moment to write down what your values are, what your priorities are, because those slip me sometimes because a lot of things come Mm -hmm. up. I'm like, oh, that looks fun. Yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. It's like, no, what is the plan? How am I going to best profit for my pocketbook, for my health, for, you know, um, my family? And so I think it's really important to always go back to what your values and your and have integrity with that. I totally agree. 100%. Such great advice. And where can our listeners go to learn more about you and everything that you do? Oh, thank you. Um, You can go to AmberlyLago.com. I hang out mostly on Instagram at AmberlyLagoMotivation. And I've got some free downloadables in there in my link. And you can find my podcast and everything online there. Uh, True Grit and Grace. My book is True Grit and Grace. My clubhouse room is True Grit and Grace. And if you want to text me, if there's someone out there, because I know we went deep today. I know like if there's somebody out there and you want to text me and you don't want to DM me on Instagram, you can text me at 818-214-7378, especially if you're going through something hard and haven't shared it, like we talked about a lot of trauma. So my favorite thing is connecting with people. So I look forward to hearing from you. And I will definitely, you know, I'm going to share this and shout it off the rooftops (laughs) that I got to be on your podcast. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much, Amberly. What a great conversation. I think you motivated so many people. I personally feel like I'm ready to attack the day. So thank you so much for your amazing words of wisdom. We have so much to learn from you. Definitely go check out her podcast, True Grit and Grace, her book, True Grit and Grace. She is brilliant. Uh, Follow her on social media. Always a pleasure, Amberly. Thank you. Wow, that Amberly Lago really has some grit. She went through so much sexual abuse, a tragic car accident, and she came out the other side a winner. You just can't beat the person who won't give up. That day when her life got turned upside down and she was hit by an SUV must have been so tough. I mean, at the time, her face was plastered all over infomercial products. She was working for Nike. She just married the man of her dreams. The world was at her feet. And boom, everything changed. 
It makes me feel so thankful for being healthy and whole right now. Life can transform at any moment, no matter how successful you are. So just make sure you value every single day like it's your last and feel grateful today. I mean, seriously, breathe, take a moment and just feel grateful for where you are right now, for the status of your health right now. Because guys, as we get older, our health is only gonna get worse. And so just really, I really want everyone to feel grateful for where they're at right now. Their physical, their mental, their financial status, just be grateful. And the next time you do face an obstacle, remember Amberly and her story. She was a fitness trainer. She, her purpose was to help people be fit and healthy and then she became dependent and disabled. Most people would just give up at that point and just be like, okay, I'm done throwing in the towel. My life's over. But no, she decided that she was going to shift her mindset. She decided she was going to focus on what she still can do. She believed she could walk again despite what other people said. And it takes willingness, determination, and grit to go against the odds. And she did it all with a smile on her face. And I honestly think there's very few things in life that can't be accomplished without a lot of hard work and a positive attitude. So that's my biggest takeaway for today. And if you're in the mood to keep hearing inspiring stories, check out number 95, Tap into a Miracle Mindset with Tim Story. He's an acclaimed author, speaker, and life coach to top athletes and celebrities like Oprah. Here's a clip from that episode. I love young people's energy. and I'm surrounded by young people who work with me on projects like from 17, 18 on because I love their creative energy. But I think this is one thing that draws them to me. We have people from all over the world trying to come to us in L.A. to do an internship with us because they, they love my discipline. And the whole idea is dreaming is easy. But to do the dream is a whole different thing. Walt Disney walked into an amusement park in the 30s. And he said, one day, I want to build my own amusement park. But mine's going to be different better, and more magical. Well, the thing about Walt Disney that I love is that as I begin to study him, his work ethic was at the next level. So he really practiced these principles of the law of the harvest that you described, which is if you want to harvest, if you want to create Disneyland, as he did in the 60s, after he saw the vision of it, you first have to plow the ground, then you have to plant the right seed, then you have to water the seeds. That's every single day you're hustling. And then you're going to reap a harvest. But then the proverb says, if you chase fantasies, then you lack wisdom. And you're right. We have a lot of people, even my age, that are still chasing fantasies to this day. But you got to plow, you got to plant, you got to water, and then payday is on its way. Again, that's number 95, Tap Into a Miracle Mindset with Tim Story. And honestly, guys, this is one of my favorite episodes on the podcast. It's one of my all-time favorites, and a lot of people reached out about how much they loved that episode. And as always, I'm going to shout out a recent Apple podcast review. This week's shout out goes to Z Mokes. And by the way, guys, put your real name in the review because Apple podcast usernames are so random sometimes. For example, like Z Mokes, that might be the listener's real name, but I'm not positive and I'm almost positive that's not their real name. So I really want to be able to properly shout you guys out. Um, so please leave your real name in your review. 
All right. So the review goes like this. Favorite podcast I discovered this year. This is a great listen. I haven't missed a show since the Seth Godin interview. The host Hala dives into interesting topics and doesn't ask the same question I've heard popular guests asked hundreds of times on other interviews. I actually discovered this on YouTube and not LinkedIn like other reviewers. And I recommend the video version for those on YouTube. It's really well produced and has connected me to other interesting content on there. Looking forward to more shows. Thanks, Hala. Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Z, for mentioning YouTube. I just realized that I almost never mention YouTube on the show. So, oops. <laughs> you guys can check out the video podcast on YouTube. We put them up every single week. So if you guys want to check out me interviewing Matthew McConaughey or Seth Godin, like Z was just mentioning, go check us out on YouTube. I'd love for you guys to subscribe to us on YouTube and let me know if you did. As we wrap up here, I want to make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast if you enjoyed the show. And if you do enjoy the show and you listen all the time, tell your friends, put it in one of your WhatsApp groups, tell a family member, spread the love. Tell more people about Young and Profiting Podcasts. I want to become the biggest podcaster in the world. Help me on this mission. And you could take a screenshot of this app and then tag me at Yap with Hala. And then I'll repost it on my Instagram. It's a way that we can mutually benefit from each other. You can follow me on Instagram at Yap with Hala or LinkedIn and Clubhouse. Just search for Hala Taha. And if you haven't subscribed to Young and Profiting Podcasts, again, make sure you take a couple moments to do that so you'll be alerted every time we drop a new episode. And much love to my incredible Yap media team. I'm so proud of everyone. I'm so thankful for everyone. This is Hala signing off.